0: Please turn your Bibles to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. We are going through the Gospel of John right now. I'm not doing a detailed study of this because that's for Bible college. And um, if you were looking at my notes, you'll see all these little yellow patches and those are all the things that are kept for Bible college. So, <laughs> um, And I will do this in college. But what I want to do right now and the whole point of this is to go through the Gospel And to acquaint you with this gospel. Um, This is the gospel that everybody recommends you read once you receive Jesus Christ as Lord. Because there is so much in it. And uh, last time, remember again that we found that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. We found that Jesus Christ is the Word. Jesus Christ is the light. And Jesus Christ is the life. Amen. Amen. And He has His own light, His own life. This is not from anywhere else. That's why he is God. We don't worship a really good person or a really amazing prophet. We worship God. Amen? Amen? And that's really important that we understand that. Hallelujah. We also looked last time at the fact that the Apostle John, who is actually writing this gospel, was one of Jesus' first disciples, along with Andrew. That was Peter's brother. And then we saw how they evangelized one after the other. You know, and I think it's wonderful that sometimes God will go looking for you. Amen. (laughs) And you don't have to be somebody great either. You know, it would have been interesting if Jesus went looking for Peter. He didn't. He went looking for somebody else. That is, one of the not so known, well, disciples didn't write any books or anything. But you know, Jesus will still seek you out. Amen. And you need to know that you are important to him. He died for every single person. For God's soul loved the world. We're going to get to chapter 3. But today we're in chapter 2 now. And I want to begin reading. Actually, what I want to do is, um, because this introduces the very first miracle, uh, I just want to take you to John chapter 2 and verse 11. John chapter 2 and verse 11, because I, I want to bring this verse to your attention. It says, this is the Apostle John writing, he says, This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and manifested His glory, and His disciples believed in Him. So I want you to notice, it says, beginning of signs, which means there wasn't anything else before this. Alright, let's begin in John chapter 2 and verse 1. Kids having fun today. John chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, just as a side note, Mary only appears twice in this gospel, all right? Once here and then once at the cross later on in John chapter 19. All right, and so it says, now both, this is verse 2, now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. It's an embarrassing situation. We ran out. Okay, we, we shouldn't run out. Remember again, weddings back then went for about a week, this isn't like in the evening and you just, you know, and, and you have a day thing and we're done. Okay. Back then they took a long time. When you got married, you really got married. <laughs> Amen. You didn't forget that one. <laughs> okay. Verse first, first four. And Jesus said to her Woman Now this is a common designation Okay he wasn't being rude or anything He said woman What does your concern have to do with me My hour has not yet come Now what does he mean by that He's saying it's not yet time for me To manifest myself as a Messiah Mary knows that he is She got all these prophecies Before he was born Remember The angel Gabriel came and talked to her All right." But I think it's very important what's going to happen next. Verse 5, Mary doesn't even listen to what he said. Do you know why? Because she knows if she ever brings anything to Jesus' attention, if there's a problem anywhere, he will fix it. That's who he is. He truly cares for people. And so if you bring anything to his attention, that's the reason why we pray. We don't pray because it's a religious thing to do. That's right. We pray because we want to bring things to his attention. We say, Jesus, by the way, and he goes, I know. <laughs> okay, It's not like you're going to tell him something he doesn't know. He knows, he knows, he knows. But he needs to know that you know, <laughs> that he knows. Because if you know that he knows, then you, he knows that you know, he'll take care of it. Yeah. Did I lose anybody along the way? a little bit. Okay, never mind. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's <laughs> what what's important that you know that he knows. And you know, when you talk to him, it's not so that we can inform God of something that he just goes, oh, "I missed that memo." He already knows. He just needs you to know he knows and he'll take care of it, so that you don't go mess things up. Amen. Anyway, this is who Jesus is, all right? <laughs> And his mother, verse 5, this is why it doesn't always almost make sense. His mother said to the servant, so he he has just said, my hour has not come. And his mother turns to the servants, and doesn't even look at him and says, whatever he says to you, you do it. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) In other words, it might not make sense. Just do whatever he says. I think that's extraordinary. Do you know these are the last recorded words of Mary. I think we should hear them. In fact, uh, where is it? Let me read something William MacDonald writes. He says, Mary's words were important ones for every one of us. Notice that she did not direct men to obey her or any other human being. Did you hear that? She pointed the servants to the Lord Jesus and told them, That he was the one who should be obeyed. As we read this precious book, we should remember the last recorded words of Mary: "Whatever he says to you, do it." Amen. Amen? I thought that was important. Amen. Verse six. (laughs) Now there were six. uh, There were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons. Now, I worked that out to be 75 to 115 liters per pot. Okay? Why is it important? Because what Jesus is about to do, is gonna get, it, it, this is going to be a fantastic wedding present. Right. And Jesus said to them, verse 7, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out uh, now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. Now, I think it's extraordinary what's happening here. I want to point a few things out. Number one, I want you to notice Jesus didn't touch the water pots. Okay, he didn't go do some mumbo jumbo. Yeah. <laughs> pull out some, you know, some, some chemical and shove it in there and pff, wine. Yeah. It's important because people have said, oh, he, he probably tampered. Did, he, he didn't even touch it. The servants are doing all the work. He's just telling them, do this, do that. And I also think it's extraordinary <laughs> that it says, he says, fill, him, fill, fill it up with water. I mean, you know, you're pouring water thinking, this is really weird. You know, Mary said, listen to him, but this is weird. And, you know, that would have taken several trips to fill him up. And every time they went there, they thought, water, water, water. What happens when you take water and put it in a pot? You have water in a pot. (laughs) (laughs) And Jesus says, okay, okay, just take a scoop and take it to the master. And they took it. Verse 9, when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, where it came from, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. He's probably going, oh no, here it comes. Now he doesn't know. They ran out. The master says, where is it? Because the bridegroom is responsible for this. So he's going, where's the bridegroom? Oh man, there it is, we're in trouble. I always think about this and I always think the bridegroom probably went there waiting to be embarrassed, told off. And watch what happens. See, a lot of times when you don't when you're not looking, God's working. Amen. That's right. The miracle is already there. You just need to turn up. Have some guts and turn up. That's pretty much it. Okay, amen. All right. <laughs> amen. <laughs> Verse 10. And he said to him, and I'm in the bridegroom's going, okay? Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk. You know, the New Revised Version says have become drunk and cannot tell the difference. Okay? Then the inferior. But you have nothing left. No. (laughs) That's what he's waiting to hear, that you've got nothing left. What is wrong with you? He doesn't say that. He says, but you have kept the good wine until now. Imagine the bridegroom. Say, what? He doesn't know. He doesn't know. Remember Jesus said, fills a pot. This is all behind the scenes. The servants take it out. Water. This guy drinks it and goes, call the bridegroom. Bridegroom standing there going, all right. Thank you, Jesus. I'm coming to see you now. No, well, he's there, isn't he? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I think this is incredible. He says, and then he says this. You know, God always wants to make you shine. Did you notice that Jesus didn't say, It was me. Sing glory to my name. He works in the background. That's why he wants you to give him glory. Because he will never insist on it. I know people preach that, but it's not true. Amen. Amen. He makes you look good. You make him look good. Alright, verse 11. And it says this. Beginning of signs... Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. This is something incredible. You know, what happened there was he changed one substance into, into another, basically. If you, do, you know, if you do chemistry, especially if it's fermented wine, that's why everybody that insists is grape juice, you're taking something away from the miracle just because you have a problem with drinking. I'm just telling you. Outright. Something incredible happened because it takes time. Yeah. Jesus is not only master of all of the elements, but he's the master of time as well. Amen. What he did there was show that he can do something that in the natural is impossible to happen. Can I also ask you another question? If you can believe in the miracle of turning you know, water into grape juice... Why can't you believe in the miracle that it became actual wine? I'm serious. It's funny how people just cut things off because that's as far as they can believe. Believe it all. Do you know what a healing miracle is? Is instead of your body taking six months to heal, you get it in an instant of time. Because Jesus is the master of time. Are you all with me? So don't take away from this. One commentator put it this way, duties are ours. You know when God tells you to do something, do it. Duties are ours, events are God's. It is ours to fill the water pots, it is Christ's to make the water into wine. Amen? All right, verse 12. See, we're getting through this quickly, aren't we? After this, he (laughs) he went down to Capernaum. Now, this is about 26 to 30 kilometers from Cana. He, his mother, his brothers, and and his disciples. Now, I've got here Andrew, John, Peter, Philip, Nathaniel, uh, and perhaps James. We're not sure. And they did not stay there many days. Verse 13. Now, the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, if anybody doesn't know what the Passover is, let me just read something that John MacArthur uh, wrote here. He said, Passover... Uh, commemorates the deliverance of the Jews from slavery in Egypt. When the angel of death passed over Jewish homes in Egypt, whose doorposts were sprinkled with blood. All right? And that was in Exodus chapter 23. So that's what the Passover is all about. They always remember that. Hallelujah. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. Boy, I tell you. Now, (laughs) let me just, before we read the next verse, you need to know what's going on here. Remember that we are told in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus went to the temple at 12 years old. Remember how they kind of lost him? You know, they were halfway there and they go, oh, we lost the Son of God. (laughs) We we lost the Messiah. We need to go back and find him. All right, and they found him in the temple. And they said, we were looking for you." He said, where else would I be but in my father's house all right so we know at least from age 12 he was in the temple and seeing what was going on remember he confounded them with with his wisdom in other words he understood everything that was happening so he saw all the corruption that was going on and i could tell you stories about it i've got lots of yellow bits here that i would teach bible college and it was to do with all the corruption that was going on in the temple. I always think, how come he went to the temple and just got so upset? It's because he had been, he had been seeing it for 18 years. He had been seeing it. Every time he came to the temple, they were getting ripped off. Are you all with me? You know, because you had to bring sacrifices. And the people that would approve your sacrifices also sold them. So if they wanted a bit extra cash, you go, oh no, we can't approve that. But we have one here that's pre-approved. Here's one I prepared earlier, you know. (laughs) Okay, and it was man, and the the high priest was getting money from it. This, it was a scam, it was run all, and so Jesus had been seeing this all through his life, and I just believe, I believe with all my heart, he thought, the day that, you know, I am released in the ministry, we're going to go clean the temple, and it's very interesting, this is the first thing he does, it's a sign, so he says, and when, verse 15, when he made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep, uh, yeah, with the sheep and the oxen, and poured out or scattered the changes money and overturned the tables they were ripping people off what they would do is say we can't have um, foreign money in here so you have to exchange you know your money for jewish money which is what they will take and they would charge a day's worth of wages to do it that's a rip off okay So you can see why Jesus is very upset here. These are people, you know, can I just say this? These are people coming to worship God. And they're getting ripped off by the people that are meant to be looking after them. You know, to me, remember, this is all about your heart. And people rip you off. It hurts you. Are you all with me? And then you're going to go worship God? So you can see why Jesus was so upset. Verse 16. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Now, notice he didn't overturn the doves. He says, take them away. All right? He says, and he said, do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples, verse 17, remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. So... In other words, the disciples actually didn't figure it out when it was going on. They were probably going, we don't know him. <laughs> you know. I mean, this is the temple. And Jesus is making a big ruckus. I mean, a whip. Think about it. We're having service right now. And somebody comes in, makes a whip and starts. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? Okay. <laughs> Verse 18. So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show us since you do these things? Do you know what he just did was a sign? And they missed it. In his commentary, William Hendrickson says that the authorities should have been ashamed of all this corruption and greed within the temple court. Instead of asking Jesus by what right he had uh, cleansed the temple, they should have confessed their sins and thanked him. Amen? But you know, the kind of people that they were, no sign would have been enough. He could have done anything. There are some people, you need to understand, there are some people, whatever you do won't be enough. Because in their heart, they have decided they don't want to listen. And they will just waste your time. Jesus knew that's, who, that's what these people were, just wasting his time. That's why he answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. (laughs) Now you know. (laughs) Then the Jews said, "Uh, It has taken us 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? Verse 21, But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Now listen, I've got to share something with you from a commentary. D.A. Carson writes this, In this temple the ultimate sacrifice would take place. Within three days of death and burial, Jesus Christ, the true temple, would rise from the dead. Hallelujah. He goes in the ad, the temple itself pointed forward to a better and final meeting point between God and human beings. Jesus cleansed the temple and under this typological reading of the Old Testament, he also replaced it. Fulfilling its purpose as the perfect meeting place between God and man. Amen? Hallelujah. I thought that was important. Verse 22. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them. And they believed the scripture. That is the Old Testament predictions concerning the resurrection of the Messiah. And the word which Jesus had said. Hallelujah. All right, verse 23. We're getting through a lot here today. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. I want to stop here for a moment. I want us to just look at what we've seen now. So we've seen the Apostle John say, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Then he went on to talk about the word creating all things that nothing was created without him. Then he went to talk about that he was life and he brought light to us. He gave us light. He gave us purpose. He didn't just give us existence, he gave us purpose. Then it went on to look at the fact that somebody else other than the apostle John witnessed this. Amen. John the Baptist said, "Hey, I'm I am telling you what I have seen and I am letting you know." That this is the Son of God, the Lamb of God, that takes away the sin of the world. See, they always remembered the story about Abraham. God will Himself provide a lamb, That's right. and here He was. The Jews, you know, you know how they always kept boasting with the children of Abraham. They knew all about Abraham and what He did. So when, when the Apostle John said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, they knew it, their mind went back to that spot. That's why it was so important that they receive him. Because he was the Lamb. He was here to pay a price. Amen? And so we went from there to look at the fact that others began to testify about him. That his own disciples realized that there was something exceptional about him. Are you all with me? You know, because sometimes the people that are closest to you, you can have an image and the people close to you go, oh, you don't know what you we know. <laughs> you know <it's> <sighs> okay? I'm serious. And there are people that look good on TV and they have big ministries and stuff, but the people that really know them, boy, I tell you, that's another story. I won't go anymore more into that. Okay, so, but, as, but this is what was different about him. His disciples looked at him and said, we know you're the Messiah. Anybody asked them, to go, yeah, nothing funny going on here. This is all important. Now what happens is John takes it from there, from personal witnesses. He now takes it to the place where Jesus does something that nobody else has ever done. Turn water into wine without even touching it. Are you all with me? And then another sign. So that's one sign. And then another sign was that he goes into the temple and clears the thing out. And just exposes everybody for the corruption. That's the reason why in the next chapter, here come Nicodemus. Do you know why? Because they knew that the temple was just corrupt to the core. They were just sick by it. I mean just sickened by it. The good ones. Okay, Nicodemus is a good Pharisee. Okay, all right, okay. <laughs> They're not all bad. All right? Here's a good one. And so he's gonna come now because of this incident. And that's why I wanna go into chapter three now. How much time do I have? Oh, really? Never mind. <laughs> I am not moved by what I see. Okay. <laughs> I walk by faith and not by cards. Okay. So <laughs> all right. I know, I know, I know. All right. <laughs> we'll introduce this. We'll come back to it next week. Okay? All right. <laughs> so, verse 24. It says, But Jesus did not commit himself to them, because he knew all men, and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Now, D.A. Carson writes this. He says, The one who knew all men, Who did not need man's testimony about man now enters into a number of conversations in which he instantly gets to the heart of the individuals with highly diverse backgrounds and needs. There's Nicodemus, the Samaritan woman, the Gentile official, the man of the pool of Bethesda, and more. And let me just say this, in every encounter, not only did Jesus know what was in men and women, but he helped them come into the light in the most loving and efficient way possible. Amen? Amen. Now, I want to read this, and I want to take you into this. When he said, you know, again, when he said that he had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man, we go to the next verse, verse 1 There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. See how this fits in? Okay, because he knew what was in man, and then they say, now there was a man. Are you getting this? Okay, and he says, his name was Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee, he was a ruler of the Jews, which means he was a part of the Sanhedrin, They, they controlled all the Jews. Okay, so he was pretty big. All right. And it says in verse 2, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. (laughs) Do you know it took God to go clear the temple out? They couldn't do it, okay? They wanted to do it, but it took somebody with an anointing to do this. You know, don't just go do something because you saw brother so-and-so do it. And because if he can do it, well, bless God, I can do it. You better be anointed and better, God had better told you to do it before you go do it. Otherwise, you're going to be like a person that, you know, jumped out the boat and said, Lord, is it you? And he goes, no, that's called drowning. (laughs) Don't jump out unless God says come. Amen? (laughs) Amen? All right. Verse 3, and I'm going to leave it here, because we are going to have to talk about this next week. This is important. Jesus says, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I have come from God. You know I have come from God. I'm letting you know now how you can see the kingdom, how you can get in. Do you see the connection? He knew what was in Nicodemus' heart. He knew what he was really coming to ask. You know, people can beat around the bush. And you just need some, you know, sometimes you just need a word from God to say, I know they're saying all this, but this is, what they, this is the big problem they're having right now. Deal with that and all of these others will just go away. Amen? That's why we need that wisdom from God that James says, if you ask, he'll give you liberally. He'll never hold back, but we need to ask. Amen. I'm going to leave it here, and we're going to pick this up next time, and we'll go through chapter 3 because there are several things I want to look at. I think it was good we got through a whole chapter today. All right, and I pray that this is helping you. Just going through this, what's, going, what's interesting is from chapters 1 through 4, it's all really nice. <laughs> when we hit chapters 5, 6, and 7, opposition begins to grow. Because Jesus is getting a little bit too popular. The synagogues are getting a little bit too empty. Everybody's going out to see him or John the Baptist, that other weirdo. Whatever it is, they ain't here. <laughs> are you with me? Okay. And so it's the, the, the animosity is begin to, going to begin to rise because he keeps challenging them. On the things that they've been doing wrong for so long and getting away with it. And now suddenly somebody comes and takes the covers off and says, you better fix this. And everybody that has been secretly looking at it and thinking that is so wrong, finally somebody has done something about it. That's why they were coming to him in masses. Because what they wanted, finally they found in him. And he looks at them and he says, they're all looking for a shepherd, a real one. Are you all with me? Not religion, a real shepherd that will love them and look after them and feed them. Hallelujah. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. and We thank you, Father, for all that we're receiving from your word.